Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. So welcome, Jaron, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself, please? Oh, yeah, 100%, Brian. Thanks for having me. Well, as you said, my name is Joao. I'm a young entrepreneur, as people said. But most of all, I'm a rebel. So I would say that I'm like this enthusiast for new technologies. So here I am having an adventure and also working hard in entrepreneurship in technology. Fantastic. Great. What does the digital workspace mean to you? Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. Like if you put like in Metaverse, for example, as I define it as internet 3D, simple as that, you can be whatever like you want to be. And if you look to money in a Web3 scenario, it's like crypto, Bitcoin stuff, you also have the freedom to transfer money. I and mean, you are in UK right now, right now, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was there last week, but it's like, I can transfer money in seconds to your, to your bank account. And I can actually do that in pounds if you like to. So I have mm. the freedom to transform and change my money, whatever I want to and pay who, whatever I want to. And the government actually doesn't really know who I'm paying, who is paying. So yeah, also another another way of freedom. So freedom of speech, freedom of money, and freedom of being whatever you want to be. Fantastic, fantastic. I said you were in London last week. Were you at what are the technical the technology events that were, that were going on last week, or was something else? Oh yeah, yeah. I had a pitch in the Landlord Summit and Tech Summit close to Regents. It's a really, really, really lovely park. I guess. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful. Okay. And how did it go? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it's wonderful as you know, like UK has been like this financial center for centuries, I would say, as the like was the biggest thing for it, right? I, I love that quote, like the sun never actually goes down on the United Kingdom, something like that, because the sun is like in, in UK and then in US and then India. And then a few countries in Africa and then UK again. So it's like the sun is always shining on the English kingdom. Well, I've never, I mean, I've kind of heard that. But I've never heard it explained that way. And it's funny because when I grew up in, in Johannesburg where, you know, we have pretty much the same amount of sunlight, you know, winter or summer, generally speaking. Obviously it shifts right? around, but we still have the same light. But living here, when it gets to this part of the year, I'm not sure what, Port- what Portugal is like, but, you know, the sun will, like, light will start coming, it's not coming light about 8.30 now. And then it'll go dark at three. So that kind of messes with you <laughs> if you used to have one hundred percent. I was I was like last week there and it was just like three. It was I just look at outside say like, yeah, I would like to have a Guinness like right now. It was like three PM and I was like, guys, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> it's a yeah, mix up. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty weird. But yeah, yeah, London's lovely is uh, one of the towns that I often go. And about yeah. the event, it was What's crazy because just a month before, one of my closest friends and also a great entrepreneur, Richard Warrior uh, from Genesis, he works in tokenization. So he was giving a pitch and I was there and after it was about tokenization and it's pretty easy. Like tokenization is kind of the process of tokenizing and putting in a online way of private um, property. So okay. anything. So after like his pitch, everybody was just like, oh, so this is the Bitcoin. 
and we were like, no, this is not Bitcoin. This is tokenization. It's the same process as Bitcoin, but it's different. So it was kind of funny to, to know because I came from South America. And when I look to the UK, we produce a lot of things. We produce, like, we are the biggest in orange, soy, and a lot of things. But we are more in the agribusiness. The UK is mainly finance. So I was just like, guys, what is going on here? Like, you should be the one, actually, like, we can exchange things. And at the same time, England is so prepared to adopt crypto. And as I see, like, this new first minister that is not so new anymore, but he's, he speaks good things about crypto. So, yeah. It was interesting to talk with some English people there. Yeah, and, and you specialize in the crypto markets? Is that your, or, or, or sort of blockchain solutions? Is that what you guys look for? Yeah, mainly I'm like in crypto, digital transformation and artificial intelligence. Once I have a venture builder at Highline is the, the company that I founded with my partners. And so the venture builder has the goal to build startups. And Ryan, the thing is, startups are built to actually solve problems. Mm. But only a few people talk about the problems that comes with the startups inside them. Founder relations and, you know, fundraising money and stuff. So our mission is to raise up, solve problems of our work and bring a new reality. So nowadays we are working on a project called Artemis. What Artemis does is actually get a lot of scrubbing, like getting a lot of data from the influencers and match with the, um, the goals of the companies. So a company can actually know now uh, and use data to decide and pick who is the best influencer. So this is going to be a creator economy thing and it's going to be huge. I mean, it's a market that doesn't even started yet. So mainly, yeah, I mean, these kind of fields. Okay, very interesting. I mean, you know, so Phoenix One, which is the, the FinTech platform that, that I'm involved in, I mean, we, we're trying to solve a lot of, not that problem per se, but we are seeing what you're saying there as a an area that's coming up a lot. With this need to bring sort of financial solutions to social communities, in a sense. And if, if you look at kind of what Elon Musk is doing with X, where he bought Twitter, he's changed the model, he's almost flipped it on its head. And now he's already talking about a banking service that goes with it. It's interesting to see that this is kind of converging as almost things that would never converge are now becoming very converged. Yeah, it's true. I mean, every business, and I see that way to Apple too. If you look, they have a card yes. already. So I think they're going to transform as bank. I mean, I bought like clothes yesterday, Rudy, and with the API, with the Stripe, I could pay like easily in my Apple Pay. It was like truly fast. So less than two seconds, I paid to my Rudy and was integrated with my wallet and my address. So the shipping is going there. So I think every like company that really grows, it's going to, in a way, become a bank with the open bank solutions. And we have a, a huge case in Brazil that it's a company called Natura. And they were like, they, they sell perfumes and body oh, cares yeah. products. Yeah. And they turn into a bank. Well, it's, yeah, it's I, mean, I mean, if you look at something like Stripe, for example, Stripe has not got the best UIs available, but what they do have is they create that service layer. Now, what we're doing is, is taking their APIs and making them beautiful with our platform. And it's bringing that ability for someone to build their app in the, you know, you're, as you said, startup solve problems. So someone comes with their problem, they build their app, they don't have to worry about the regulation, they don't have to worry about the compliance because the platform does that for them. And they just go and, they go and solve their problem with their customers. And you know, you can have it quick, you can have it cheap, and you can have it functional. 
because all the things are now coming together in a cohesive solution. And I think that's what people want. I think, you know, when you look at a customer, that's what they want to get is that those three things together. 100%. And UI and UI should have more attention <laughs> in my point of view. It's not only functional. It needs to be easy because when you look to like mm. new technologies or new way of thinking, I mean, we as humans are not normally or natural excited. We just get scared at first. That happens with AI or digital banks, for example. Like, mm -hmm. is it safe to have a digital bank? And I was just like, is it safe to have a manager? <laughs> is it safe to have a bank for the first thought? So I think CUX and UI need, needs to, to get more attention in order to get people invited to new techs and, you know, new ways of thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what the, the, the I mean, you, you talk about the adoption curve. I mean, everyone gets, fear is one of those things to handle, mostly because it's a emotional reaction to what they were used to and a fear of what's next. And then the next piece, which is, and it's kind of thing that's drilled out of you in school, that ability to learn and make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to press the wrong buttons on the app per se. Obviously when you're doing transferring money, you don't want to make too many mistakes. But, you know, this idea that, that it's okay to experiment with these things. And then as once you adopt it, then it becomes part of their life. I mean, look at how Google is part of everyone's life. You, you know, it's part of the fabric. But to begin with, Google was, was the first and how many people wanted to use Google? Not the first, it was the first one adopted. It was, there was AOL search, there was Yahoo search, but Google was the simplest one to pick up. So people picked it up. Yeah, so, I just think that in, in a way, have you, have you seen the Rogers innovation adoption curve? Are, are you um, familiar with this? Because I think this is kind of an interesting concept. If you look to like this curve of adoption, only 2% of his like tech enthusiasts mostly are like innovators. So they're like, oh, what is going on like of new? Then we got the visionaries with about 13% of the population. Then we get like the early majority, I would say the pragmatist with 34, the conservatives, 34 too, and the latest people, the tra more traditional ones, the laggards, and only 16%. So because I speak a, lo a lot about massive adoption and I have seen that there is some facts that need to actually show up so people can uh, adopt new techs. And one that I have been working with is like key opinion leaders actually leading this digital transformation. Because once we normally don't want to be the first, we are mm. more like Ryan, you can go first. And, and then I, I can see and <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, and then I can do my movement. But anyway, when you have like a key opinion leaders, that's someone you want to follow through. And he was, or she was the first, it's kind of easy to get adoption in, a, in an app or any technology that you're developing, blockchain, artificial intelligence, crypto, or whatever. So yeah, I think it's kind of interesting concept. So, so what do you, I mean, how do you keep yourself busy? Like, what are you, like, what are you looking for? Are you doing research? I mean, what, what does your day look like or week look like in, in the role that you play? Oh, that's, that is a lot of people who make me busy, actually, nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, mostly I kind of divide, I divide my time in one third in Brazil, one third in Portugal, one third in UK, and one third in traveling around. Because as I said, I have a venture builder, so I can't develop or start to develop something that someone already did. Because I just think this is such a waste of time as a society. I'm not seeing from the perspective of, oh, you can be my competitor. Because in Web3, in new technologies, Ryan, we don't have competitors. We only have helpers. So if you see, and if someone that going to watch us or hear us is in new technology field, guys, just really get your competitors close and say like, you know, we can work together, not directly, but indirectly too. Because if a crypto, for example, 
fall or is a scam, all the crypto marketing actually suffer from it. And AI is the cybersecurity and yeah, in all fields. So that's the, the fourth part of my time. So normally I'm always in interviews and listening to like these amazing people that the world show up to me and the universe they care. And also, of course, research. But the most, I think the most important thing is going the field. So as I said, like if the audience is, it's watching us, just go outside and connect with people. I mean, we have a lot of tools, Reddit, LinkedIn, yeah, all these social mm. networks, voice, also is uh, Estonian uh, social media, really interesting, right? I suggest you to it's get a look voice, on this. Think. Yeah, voice.app.io, sorry, voice. Oh, with, uh, while we're talking. Yeah. Pretty easy. It's from Sergey, a great friend of mine. So basically everything who comes about the future, as you said, how I get myself busy, I found community because we are not isolated, isolated Iceland, right? We all want to connect after pandemic even more. So the fact that you and me, we, that we are here is the fact that we got mm -hmm. connected into a community. That's the fact. I mean, we don't have actually great tips to bite. So we need to stay together in order to survive. So that's like human history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by evolving that way, we just realize and we know deep inside is no is an instinct that together we are stronger. Yeah, agreed. And in a way, when I like by being new techs, I have a lot of influencers from Gen Z and these new special like childs that are growing like every day. And what I learned from them is that they are hungry to connect, to have friends, to develop new projects. At the same time, they don't really know how anymore because of the internet. So it's kind of, it's, everything's really fast. Everything's changing so much. So anxious. And so I just think, get a long brief, go out, find your community, go to the forums and connect. The best way to do research. There's a comment you made about Web3. No one's your competitor, everyone's your helper. But I think that's a good way to have it as a life philosophy. Because even prior to Web3, I mean, I think the successful businesses were the ones that always, always knew what they were good at and knew how to work with their competitors in a way that was positive. You know, not so much a competitive, you know, knock each other down. But you know, even, even when I used to do a lot of selling, I used to know all the partners I was selling against. And I knew if that partner went in, I knew what their approach would be. So I would sell my approach, thinking about how they would have positioned their value. So we would know what our value is. And you're not, you're not there to, you know, again, beat the other guy up. But, you know, there's times where I've walked out of deals saying, look, we're not the right guys for you. We're not going to be able to do this deal because we can't deliver. And, you know, I think, you know, that as an ethos comes through. And, and if I look at the way that things are going in the, in the technology sphere and you include AI and you include, you know, distributed things like blockchain, they are kind of things that are all about helping us to do our best work without friction or less, less friction. And that's why I find what you're talking about quite interesting, because I think it, the more ways we can find it to be less bureaucratic and less red tape, obviously still be, you know, the key thing is fairness and honesty and transparency and, and those things. I think the better things will be. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. You know, building on your point around being helpful and, and non-competitive, this is the way I look at things like AI, Web3, they're breaking us away from being completely centralized and having to go. So if you look at government as an example, maybe this will make sense. Actually, South Africa is a good example. So yeah. I think what's happening in South Africa, as much as it's been a, you know, and a lot of measurements, quite a big disaster, but there are positives to it. I, I always try to find the positives. So what happened in South Africa with apartheid and, and that clearing up had to happen because it, was, it wasn't the right thing to be. And having a new government come in, they've had 25 years and 
a lot of people say they've messed it all up, but we don't, there's not a political discussion. What's interesting about what's happened is that the government is actually in, in, incompetent to the point that they can't deliver anything. But what's happened is the country, the private sector, has stepped in to take over the services that the government would have provided. Because the government, to be honest, and, and I see it in the UK as well, so it's not just a South African thing, and this is why I kind of see the interesting part, is I don't think governments can keep up with the speed of what is going on in the general populace. If you look at how long it takes for regulations to come in, if you look at how long it takes for laws to get passed, they can't keep up with how fast the technology moves. Just as an example, right? So the thing that I find interesting about what's happening in South Africa is What's happening is you have areas that are still underserviced, but you have areas that are serviced, but the service is not coming from the government. The service is coming, well, for the most part, the service is coming from the private sector and they're creating these new sort of pockets and there's a specific word for it. I cannot think of the word right now, but think of it like a distributed node on the blockchain, on the chain. Right, so Cape Town or the Western province is distributed. Every ward is its own node with its own service delivery handled by a private company to do the service delivery. So they've created their own solution to their own problem, per se, with a common theme about how to solve it, but you're not dependent on a centralized function to make the decision for you. The decision isn't made in Pretoria, which is up north. It's made in that ward to solve their problem and deliver, right? And I think that's what's going to happen to how the world will go. Instead of having, even if I look at the UK, you can't wait for it to get to government for a decision to be made. The councils can't wait for it to go to government. They get the, they need to make the decisions locally. And even then, inside the councils, there needs to be more subdivision of, of decision making. And the point I'm sort of trying to get to here is that I think what the technology is doing, and, and you saw it with COVID, it leveled everybody up to being able to work remotely and to see that it was possible and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's given us a bit of free, freedom, which is what I liked at the beginning, to actually understand how to make our communities work better, but without, not circumventing, but without being stopped by the bureaucracy of the government. And if you think about back to, you know, when governments were put in place, it was to control and gain taxes for the royalty or the whatever. But I think what's happening now with money's changing is you can't constrain that stuff anymore. It's naturally, it's naturally giving life of its own in some respects. That's what, yeah, I was just thinking about what you were saying and, and it kind of, the analogy for me is that things are becoming more and more distributed and more and more self-controlled. Yeah, 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 you're 100% right. I mean, I have speaking with like many people from different places and I never heard something like, you know, our government is great. I am so happy about it. And I never heard that, to be honest. <laughs> it, like the, the biggest compliment was just like, this one is not so bad. So I think you're right. And the fact is, once you like, we are getting our back, you know, in a way, I think that you need a strong reason to move yourself. And the government has been like in this status quo for so long. So when the pandemic hits, they were just like, holy shit, everything changed. What are you going to do? Oh, everything is in my hand. Like my people need me. And I actually, I didn't see any government who could cut a great job during that time. You know, maybe yeah, yeah. New Zealand or Australia. Yeah, that's depends. But anyway, the thing is, so the people actually wake up because they stop to be in this lifestyle of just running, 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 like work, 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 pay, 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 work, 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 pay, 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 you know? And we got this time to really look inside and look to our lives and kind of get the perception. So I really think that uh, 2020, like in the next years and decades, is going to turn like the real adoption of a new new way of thinking. Because mm -hmm. we don't want like anyone to control us anymore. And one thing, Ryan, we need to, to address here. 
revolution doesn't happen to everybody at the same time. Yes. So if you look to the history, it's going to say like 17 of March, 2020, but it's different. Like the pandemic in Brazil happened three months later. In China was kind of a year before to someone that knew. So it's, we need to like look to the history and realize that. And also we need the feeling of fear to start moving ourselves. So the way I see the governments today, like they are like carry of this kind of revolution. If you look to the blockchain, it's kind of changing the way that we communicate. Because if you look to a block of communication in the like, before it was like, I know, and you know, right? And the yeah. blockchain about the information is, everybody know that I said that to you and everybody can check this. So what blockchain actually did was transform the transparency of the communication to a decentralized manner. Yeah, yeah. And this is this go to crypto, this go to everything. If you look to the AI and combine to the blockchain, is like, how can we have like this worldwide brain look to us, you know? So uh, I truly believe that at the same time, right? Okay, so we are getting the freedom, also the power, and what can I do? I mean, what do, what do I do with power now? What do I do with freedom? Because when you put like to cybersecurity, and I have been crypto for a while, I always, always when I make like a transaction, I'm just like, there is like this, this small tiny fear of, is this really safe? <laughs> so it's like my heart is always bumping a little bit. And I know that's 100% safer than the bank. So it's an interesting moment to be alive as an AC, it, as entrepreneurship and humankind. It, it, is, it is funny how you say that because, I mean, I had the same thing with transferring crypto around. In fact, someone asked me to do an NFT thing with him the other day. And he gave me the number in Ethereum. I, remember, I think it was like 0.016, something like that. And I said, no, I'm not buying. I'm not using my Ethereum right now. The market's going up. You know, I'm trying to hold on to as much as I've got. And then I actually went and worked out how much he asked me for. It was only like three pounds. And because his, his reaction was like, come on, man, it's a lot of money. But then because I couldn't do the conversion in my head, like you could, like, you know, like a dollar to a pound is, is 125 roughly, uh, 1.25 or, or a euro is roughly 1.1. You know, you can do that stuff in your head. So you like, you know, roughly where you're standing. But because crypto kind of fluctuates like it does, there's a little bit of disconcerting feeling that you don't really want to use it because that transaction, you know, if you're transferring between two wallets, for example, the gas will cost you an amount. Or if you're purchasing something, the gas is actually quite expensive. So you very much, it's very much a conser conservation of resources feeling. And I was trying to buy something the other day using Ethereum. And then and this kind of sparked it. It was like, when I did the math, I was like, you know what, actually this, the, the cost is still too high for this to be useful. And I know it'll come down. And that's when the mainstream effect will come in. But it's funny how it's there and it's a great concept, but it still hasn't got there yet. It's still like on that tipping point of coming over because of that little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety around using it. There's not someone looking so we can actually call and ask for help. And this is going to, to be interesting because we are going to survive from that moment percent. But which humans are we going to turn? In my point of view, more responsible. We are not going to just like, you know, leave our money in anybody's hands. Because rent like 2023 and almost 2024 at the moment uh, we're speaking and people is still being neglect neglecting with the, her like his time or her time with people times because money is still in a way life right is the way that we transfer time to another and how smart you are in the system so after that era I think people are going to be more conscious of everyday time and where to stock the money how to actually transfer in a safe in a safe way and be more valuable. Because at the same time, as I, I was speaking about the Gen Z, they really don't want to work to someone anymore because it's changed. Once we are decentralized, the mindset is also decentralized. So in the Web3 ecosystem, it's kind of interesting that we are 
co-partners to develop this. And then we are co-partner to develop the next step. And we co-partner to develop the next one. And not like you work with me, to me, for me. So, and this is, this is another level of responsibility. But in my point of view, it's going to be two different kind of people. The ones who got lost on the process of AI. Because boredom, mm -hmm. it's going to be a huge problems in the next decades for the teenagers and young, young uh, adults. It's not just boredom, it's instant gratification and boredom. I mean, I see, I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old that I can see it already where they are struggling with the concept that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but they are struggling with the concept that, and, and we, we're trying to now bring it back, where you don't have to sit and play on a tablet when you're at home. You can build Lego, you can play with your toys, whatever it is. And I'm building a, a book series with my son and, you know, he just loves the fact that he can ask this engine to generate an image for him of his favorite character. And... Cool. He just wants to keep asking and asking and asking. And like, it's like, okay, CJ, it's five, you know, we've done five now, it's bedtime. Time to go to sleep. Because, yeah, but I want to now see it, Dark, Dark Thunder as the character. I want to see Dark Thunder as a boat. I want to see Dark Thunder as an airplane. I want to see Dark Thunder as a monster. And that concept that something can just generate this image of what he wants to see. But now, I don't, now the thing I don't know, and this is probably where it'll come in at some point, is, is that actually helping his creativity? by asking something else to generate the, the image or should he be drawing it himself on a piece of paper to have the imagination? And I mean, I don't know what the answer to that one is, but I think that's what's going to be interesting switch over in the, in the decades is how much is our own thinking and how much is the AI thinking for us? That's an interesting concept, Brian. And this is an interesting way of reading, actually. So you can have the, you know, the characters of the, the tracker, and then you can put like an AI to actually generate that to you. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, so, so it's funny. I think you've just caught on to what I was thinking about the other night. So so I've, we created the character when he was a kid, and it was just like I got so he got tired of me reading him stories. So he, he said, no, I'm tired of reading. Can you just tell me stories? So I made up a character, and that's what happened. And I've always wanted to turn it into a book series. And then someone taught me last week how to do it with, with ChatGDP. And it was pretty obvious. It's just, you know, you need some time to look at it. But what I've been thinking about now is you can go and create inside of a GTP, your character structure of your ideal story. And then every night you can ask the GDP to create the next chapter of your story. So the book can never end, which for some stories, like I've there's some really good series that I've read that I really just want the book to never end. This is, you could literally have your story be created every night for you on the fly. I just think it's such an amazing thought. It is. Actually, I kind of create a book, a book series. is an RPG stories with some friends. And each one of us could actually write three chapters on the ChatGPT group. So that's the difference between like uh, my part of history and like your part of history. It, would, it was the prompt that I used. So at the same time that I think you are developing in, in this kind of, you know, reading books, probably less the creativity, but also in a way you're developing how to make questions and create a formula of uh, rational thinking. Because if you put like a poor prompt, the AI is going to, and that's an interesting one. I just got this study, this research, that a guy yeah. actually put the prompt and say, if you give me a great response, I'm going to give a tip for you. Yeah. And it's impressive that the ChatGPT after has been offered a tip, just give a better answer. So. At the same time, that it's like not the creativity of, you know, imagine a, a persona or a character. At the same time, it's kind of teaching him how to make questions. And if you look to the bottom line, the world is not moving by the answers, but by the right questions. Mm, so this is sure. also an interesting skill to develop. And how old is your, it's a daughter, it's your son? So I've got a, I've got a son and a daughter. So it's my son who's five 
who we're playing with this with. Let me actually get my, I'll show you a couple, and I'll put some images in our episode so you can, so people can see them because it, it really is, uh, I really enjoy it. And, and my goal is to turn this into a book or a few books. Let me get one of these open so you can see. So let me just turn off the, uh, and it's amazing because you know, I've wanted to write books for years and I never had the time, but that, so, so there's the, that's the generated image. So, so Dark really? Thunder is a black car with purple wheels when he goes fast. So we'd watched, we were watching a movie called uh, The Sea Monster. And I said, oh, let's generate Dark Thunder with a sea monster. And then he wanted to see Dark Thunder with a plane. You can see there's, there's the plane. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a great really image. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, the, the thing is, like, the way you train, I mean, I've had a lot of solutions over the years using machine learning and stuff. And, you know, the training exercise and, and all that has always been the, the painful part to do. But this part, this is so nice because what you do is you go and generate, and I'll just scroll through here so you can see, just, you just go and generate a whole lot of images and take Text, right and then you take out the stuff that you like and you upload that into the knowledge base like you would upload onto facebook i mean that's how easy it is and then you just see a little message saying knowledge updated and then you ask it to regenerate the images again and they've and the images have mostly improved so its learning capabilities are actually really good and then when you write the story you can generate your characters and you can just put those into the knowledge base as well so you can literally build your your world your your realm within that what do you call it within that, that chat gdp component and then you basically publish a, a link. I can give you the link tonight and you can go play with the same thing. As long as you've got a premium subscription to, to ChatGDP, you could engage with our story and, and have, and like I say, have a story every day. So my plan from an automation point of view is just to daily send a prompt to that thing to generate the story with the images for my son based on an idea he has every morning. So every morning I say, what do you want Dr. to do today? And you'll tell me then I'll generate the story. And it takes, you know, a, a minute for me to do, but he comes home and he's got a book, he's got a story with pictures on his idea and he can do it himself now, which was the, which was the <coughs> main curve. And I think that's, that's the amazing enablement because he'll just grow up his whole life knowing that this stuff is possible. 100, it is possible. And you are just like inspired. He's creative by asking every day what is going to be on the story today. So I think this is an interesting process. Congratulations should be an awesome dad, right? <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, no, I think as a dad, you always think you can do better, but it's been a, it's been rewarding because he literally has said, dad, you're the, this is the best thing ever. I love this, which yeah. is great. So do you have kids? Sorry, I've never asked. No, 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 not yet, not yet. I mean, I have siblings and yeah. Okay. They, they're like being teenagers at the moment. So I'm taking care of like the future and stuff also, because you know, as the older brother, I yeah, also yeah. have a few responsibilities on, on it. So, but it's interesting how I'm excited when I look to the future of this, the, the child, like the next gen something that's going to be yeah. on the market, because I really think that they are going to be, yeah, I, I hate this conservative pitch of, oh, the world is getting chaos, you know, like we are getting dumb and stuff. So guys, it was never so easy to launch a book. I, I launched a book yeah. a few years ago. And nowadays I was just, I, I could just like, that's true. So it's so easy to start a company, start a project, find people to work with, start a book, write a book, publish a book. And you can exactly. like add a chapter every day. So nowadays you can actually have a live book instead of, I don't know, Harry Potter, for example, like beginning, a middle and the end. So we, we can continue Harry Potter stars. <laughs> we don't need JK holding to, to do that. So this is the exciting moment. So I think the next generation is going to really enjoy everything that we are building at the moment. And yeah. like my main role is to to show to people this kind of new technology, how we can be awareness to be on this 
and if you look to the audience, right, that's the project is about the Artemis that I speak to you, because once we calculate what is your interest in, what do you like, like cars, airplanes, I can suggest so you can yeah. be more and more engaged. Suggest community so you can more you can go deep inside. At the same time, I can suggest how to actually you know change your bumble. Like okay, you are like airplane and car things, but what about new contents? So I can also suggest that to different key opinion leaders. So I think data in a way will help us to, to be more aligned and spend or spare less time what is not interesting to us. So when I look to the future, I have this kind of amazing feeling that's going to be impressive. Yeah, I think you're right. I think data I mean, data has been for a long time touted as the, the new oil, which is probably correct to some extent, but I think it's the ability to use data and make it actionable and find the, the important pieces and bring them and bring the dots together. Just something cohesive. That, that's really the, the trick. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, I, I do need to just sort of tie this up now when we run out of time. Is there anything else you want to cover or do you want to give out your contact details for people to get in touch? I mean, what are you looking for from the audience? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, Ryan, thank for the chat. It has, it's it's great. always great to meet a future fellow <laughs> enthusiast <laughs> as you. Yeah, I, I really don't know what the audience is looking for. Once like we can go cheaper in, in another conversation after. If you're looking for a project, just go for it. If you're in a project already, invite more people to do. Do not stop. Even in the, the, the worst case scenario, keep going. I think this is the, the, like at the end, at the bottom line, people is going to change the world. So as we speak about a lot of about society and future, well, everyone's kind of integrated in this future that we are speaking of. So be positive. We are getting there. Yeah. And my social, if you want to connect with me, of course, Brian, my social network, LinkedIn, I think my name is going to be under here is J-O-A-O, -O, it's like John in Portuguese. So João Fuad, and you can also connect me with me on Instagram. I'm not in X so much because I really struggle to tweet a lot, but yeah, Instagram <laughs> and LinkedIn is kind of the, the easiest way to find me. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds good. We'll put those links in the, in the show notes anyway. So great stuff. It's been uh, lovely chatting with you, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. 100% right. I just got the invitation on LinkedIn. Perfect. Great. Super. Thanks, Al. All the best. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.